G'day Sports by Fry fans, thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Sports by Fry podcast. As promised, I'm back here Sunday morning with another Fry's Fast Five. So, wasting no time, the first thing I want to discuss is Brandon Ellis from the Richmond Tigers, or formerly from the Richmond Tigers. He's now joining Gold Coast. The deal's rumoured, don't know the full numbers, but let's be honest, most of these details are pretty accurate. It's a five-year, $3 million deal, and because of that financial weight behind the deal, a lot of people in Richmond colours are up in arms that they didn't get fair compensation for him. So the AFL's announced they're going to get pick 39, which is at the end of the second round, as comp for Ellis joining the Suns. And Brendan Gale, the Richmond CEO, took to Twitter to kind of vent his frustration and talked about how the AFL explained that just because he was being paid a certain number of dollars and there's all sorts of legality and crap behind it, basically saying that he's not worth anything more. If you were telling me that Brandon Ellis is worth a pick in the first round, even if it's at the end of the first round, I think the majority of people could agree that that's too much for Ellis. So he's a two-time premiership player. He goes to Gold Coast with a ton of experience. I think he's got about 170 games under his belt, but he's not worth a first round pick. So I think an end of second round pick is fair. This whole free agency compensation stuff is starting to get a bit out of whack, in my opinion. There's so many different people who have different opinions. I think Cam Ellis-Yolman officially joined Brisbane yesterday as well. And I don't know off the top of my head, but the pick that Adelaide gets from Brisbane for him leaving is only about five spots further down from where the Ellis one is. So it's all so murky. It's tough to pinpoint one year what some players worth compared to another year and honestly I think like if they're going to leave I understand giving them compensation in some form but it should just be a pretty universal I don't know the exact way of going about it but if a player has x number of years under his belt they get a pick in this route if he's got this many career Brownlow votes or this many accolades whatever then he gets end of first round pick or something like that but I can kind of see why Richmond are a little bit upset because they expected to get an end of first round pick, but I think end of second round pick 39 is more than fair compensation for Ellis leaving for Gold Coast. Second thing I want to discuss is the MVP candidate in Russell Wilson. Granted, things could be very different and would have been very different had the LA Rams beat them on Thursday night, aka Friday morning Australian time. I was luckily enough being on school holidays, I got to watch the entire game and Russ Wilson is definitely someone that can win the MVP this year. Everyone is trying to basically play catch up for Pat Mahomes but Wilson played some pretty unreal football in that game, made some wicked throws. His touchdown to Tyler Lockett is arguably one of the nominees for throw of the year so I've always been a big Russell Wilson fan. He's leading the Seahawks to a pretty impressive record. They're 4-1 and one now, took care of business against the Rams who in my opinion, were one of the preseason favourites to win the NFC, so I might be a bit uh, wrong with that prediction, and Jared Goff hasn't looked amazing, but if Greg Zerlung hits that 44-something-like-yard field goal, then things could be a bit different, but at 4-1, Wilson is getting it done. He hasn't thrown an interception for the entire season, five games through. He's putting up his highest completion percentage of his career. Most of his numbers that he's got are trending towards being career highs, so if Seattle can keep up this form and Wilson can keep balling out, playing a good mix of the pass and run game, used his feet quite a bit to gain yards as well, then there's no reason why he won't be one of the front runners or the favourite to win the MVP by season's end. 
Sticking with the NFL, I want to go on record and talk about some of the bets I'm going to put in this weekend. I think I'm going to make this a semi-regular thing, maybe on Saturday, on Sundays when I'm doing the Fast Five. I'll talk about the teams and the lines and the bets that I'm interested in. I want to make sure I get this exactly right, so let me quote it. I made a three-team multi at the moment. I do like the looks of Jacksonville against Carolina. Now, the Panthers have... They didn't look amazing against Houston last week. They've kind of overachieved in my eyes to get to 2-2. Two and two. I don't really love their roster. Kyle Allen looks fine, but their defense is really their calling card at the moment. And I think that Gardner Minshew and Leonard Fournette can do enough to, and put enough points on the board to probably walk out of Carolina with a W. They might get some funky stuff right near the end. The line is about three points, so I've gone and put the Panth uh, the Jags sorry, in my multi at plus three and a half, so if there is a late field goal or something like that, then they can lose by up to three points. Uh, the Patriots are another team that I'm high on this week. They're going to play Washington, who are just a mess of an organization at the moment, and I'm going to talk a little bit about them at the end, but I wouldn't be surprised if the Patriots absolutely mauled the Redskins. I think the line's around 15 points. All these lines and things I'm using are from Bet365, but there wouldn't be too much fluctuation whether you use Sportsbet, Labrokes, Tab, whatever. Um, so I think I'm, I'm taking it down a little bit. It is good value, but I think I'm just going to back the Patriots in to win by double digits. Their defense should do enough to probably claim that anyway. So the Pats, negative 9.5, and, and then... I threw the Bears in there originally plus a couple of points, but I'm just going to put them down for a win. They're playing in London against Oakland, and there's a lot of signs pointing towards Chicago just monstering Oakland. I don't have a lot of faith in the Raiders, although they looked pretty solid against Indianapolis last week, but Khalil Mack's revenge game against his old team, Chase Daniel in at quarterback, so there's no Mitchell Trubisky uh, haywire throws going out there, so I think the Bears will probably win by a touchdown, maybe a couple less points, I think the line's about five points there, but I was going to put them in just plus a couple of points in case some funky stuff happens, but I'm just going to back Chicago in straight for the win, so if I include all those three things, that gives me 341 as a multi, so probably put five, ten bucks on that, something like that. So if you are going to chuck a punt on the NFL this weekend, make sure you gamble responsibly. Next up, I want to talk about Joey Danaher going to the Swans. He hasn't officially made the move yet. Trade period opens on Monday, but he's told Essendon that he wants out. He's done with the Bombers, and I can't really blame him. He has about a hundred games of uh, footy under his belt, I think, for his career, but. I don't think he's played more than 10 in the last two years. He's battled a lot of injuries, and there's no reason why I don't think he'll stay healthy. So I don't love this fit in Sydney. I mean, I get it, and I can see why the Swans would want someone of his class and calibre, but I don't know. Sydney is a very classy franchise. They're a very professional team. They're a perennial finalist, and they've had a couple of up-and-down years in recent times, but I feel like they're just starting to trend a little bit negative in the way that I don't have a lot of faith in them repeating their finals regularity of the past. Going for Joey Danaher could be a move that pays off, and if they can deploy Buddy Franklin maybe 15 times a year, if he's healthy, maybe even 12 if they want to really rest him, and Joey Danaher can be the staple of their forward line and really give the Swans a target inside 50. Sam Reed isn't really a go-to bloke that you want, so it could pay off and could be a master stroke by the Swans, but I don't really love the fit, especially if Danaher gets hurt. Like I said, Buddy's getting on. I thought that this year, honestly, I mean, I know he's contracted for a few more, but one of my bold predictions for last season was that this would be Buddy's last year, so he's nearing the end of his 
career, and the Swans are a little bit all over the shop. They've got some great players in Isaac Heaney. I do like Luke Parker. Josh Kennedy's getting a bit on in age. Jake Lloyd's great. Tom Papley might not even be there by the time you're listening to this. So, yeah, I don't know. I don't love the fit. I can see why they're doing it, but I'll be very interested to see how Danaher pans out in Sydney if he does eventually make this move to the Swans, which, going off all reports, it looks like is going to happen. The last thing I want to talk about is the head coach of the Washington Redskins, Jay Gruden. I talked a little bit earlier about why I think the Patriots are just going to whoop them in week five. And honestly, I think this will be the last game that Gruden coaches Washington. There's been all sorts of speculation over the last uh, two weeks about who their starting quarterback should be. Case Keenum was benched. Dwayne Haskins stepped in and didn't really look ready to play. So I don't know who you pin that down on. A bit of the blame goes Haskins' way for not being a good backup and being ready to step in when Keenum was struggling. But after all that hysteria, they've decided to name Colt McCoy as the starter this week. A former Patriot, mind you, but there are rumours and stories coming out that Jay Gruden didn't even want to draft Dwayne Haskins in the first place, who I still think is going to be a great NFL player. But this Redskins team just is all over the shop. Their offensive tackle, Trent Williams, is still holding out on his contract. Just just seems like a very poorly run organisation. And Sometimes you've got to find a scapegoat to take the blame for some of these terrible, terrible games that they're putting up, and I think Jay Gruden will be that bloke. Ownership might disagree, and the GM might be the first bloke to go, but there hasn't been a lot to cheer about for Redskins fans in the past, and I think after an ugly loss from the Patriots, which all of us expect to happen, that Jay Gruden will be fired. I want to go on the record in case that does happen, so I could be wrong, but I don't feel like he's the bloke to lead them into the future, so it might not happen this week, it might happen halfway through the season, it might happen at the end of the season, it might not happen at all, I don't really know, but if I was running the organisation, I would want to rip the band-aid off pretty soon. That's all I got for this Fast Five. Thanks once again for tuning in. I'll probably be back early next week, Tuesday at this stage, doing a bit of a recap after week five in the NFL, touching on some of the first few things that happen with regards to the trade period from an AFL perspective. And then I'll probably have a little bit of basketball stuff to talk about. I just got done watching a few highlights of Anthony Davis throwing down some dunks in a Lakers jersey, so they're always great to see. I'll be writing a couple of articles as well over the weekend, working on a couple of other bits and pieces that you can always check out at sportsbyfright.com. So make sure you give them a read. Subscribe to the podcast channel for more episodes. But thanks for listening to this one. Until next time, peace.